reading in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It says this. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. Verse 28. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a, a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of, of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that, um, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And so, as we again uh, delve into the theme for this month, and the theme is the um, authentic in our relationships. Authentic in our relationships. Let me turn this on. I guess the title for the service, for the sermon, is basically this Am I authentic in my relationships? Am I authentic in my relationships? You see, this event is seen throughout all the Synoptic Gospels. So you, you see in Luke chapter 5, you see it in Matthew chapter 9, 9 to 13. You also see it in Mark chapter 2, 13 to 17. And basically, it, it all just sums in, in, if you were to sum it up, basically, Jesus Christ calls uh, another man to become one of his disciples. He calls a man named Levi. Some of us know him as Matthew, right? As Matthew. See, Rome um, collected three different, um, three or four different principal kinds of taxes. So I'll be talking a little bit of taxes tonight, all right? But don't, don't, don't get lost through it. Um, so Rome actually collects three different types of taxes, and, and some of them would, would be called a land tax. Um, others, they would give um, another tax called the head tax, so depending on how many People are in your family. There's a, a certain tax that you'd had to pay. Um, there, was a, there was a religious tax. So in order to continue to keep the synagogues in the right capacity, right, right um, I guess, without them falling apart, um, the Romans will, will tax those that were Jews so that they can maintain the synagogues the right way. And lastly, there was also a, another tax that they gave, and that tax was the uh, tax of custom. And that was of 2 to 5% of the value of goods being transported. Um, and so that what they'll do is uh, through the major routes, and whether it's a, a port or a major road that a lot of people would travel through, they'll have a booth. They'll have a, a section off area where if you were to go there and you were, per se, selling fish, you'd have to pay a percentage of tax on what you were selling. And for transporting those goods from one city to the other. And you say, what's the whole big deal about it? When Jesus Christ was walking, he saw a man sitting at the seat of custom. So what he was doing, he was, a, he, he, was, he was taxing those that would be traveling, having the goods with them. It makes sense, right? And it's interesting how the Lord, instead of, instead of looking for someone that was a, a great orator, instead of looking for someone that was well-educated in, in, in biblical doctrines or or graduated from a college, what, what the Lord did was he looked for the average person, a person that was not only just average, but was despised. And what it revealed to us, those that were reading the Scriptures and studying the Scriptures, is that 
no matter what background an individual has, when they're willing to serve God, when they're willing to, to, to surrender their all for the Lord, God can use that. Amen? God can use that. And so, first point, and what, I, what I'd like to do tonight is really just um, pinpoint three different relationships that are shown in, this, um, in these following verses. Three different relationships that, that really, really help us to authenticate our relationships. And so, what we're going to do, first point is, is the relationship between Christ and Matthew slash Levi. The relationship between Christ and Levi. Let's look at verse 27, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It says this, And after these things he went forth, and saw a publican named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. Firstly, the sub point is this, there was a call. The call. See, when someone is, when, when someone is being called, there's two, two parties involved. You have to understand this. Sometimes we think that only the person or the individual that has been called is, is, is responsible. No, no. When, when someone's being called, there's two parties responsible. The one being called and the one calling. Does that make sense? And so in this aspect, what we can look at is that when Jesus Christ called um, called Matthew, do you know what Jesus Christ was doing? Jesus Christ was, was, was associating himself to this individual. Again, as we, as we discussed previously, that the, the tax and, and the things that the Roman, Roman Empire did for the Jews was very burdensome. Um, some scholars state that there were overall tax burden of over 30 to 40 percent per Jewish worker. That's a lot of tax burden. And so Rome's method was, um, of collecting tax was to employ the tax collectors, usually locals, those that, who knew where the money had been coming from, those that knew who the big shots were, per se. And each province was divided into tax districts, and the locals would bid for that particular contract to, to get that particular area. And so if, if someone were to come and say, okay, you're in my area and you're selling your goods in my area, I'm going to tax you for that. And whatever that individual had, usually a national, so he was a Jewish person, telling another Jewish person, give me this money so we can give it to those that are oppressing us, which are the Romans. And so what he did was, and what they usually do as a tax collector is they'll increase the percentage and whatever they received additional to what is required, church, do you know what, do you know what they did? They kept it for themselves. We know another tax collector in the scripture, his name was, he was a little short fellow. Remember him? He climbed a tree. What was it? Zacchaeus. He was considered to be one of the uh, top tax collectors. He, he was actually part of a region, and he, he won that, that little, um, that, that contract for the region. So you have to understand, these people were making money off their own people. They were making money. And so, do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing in the light of the Jews? Negative. It would be a bad thing. And so, when Jesus Christ saw him in customs and said, follow me, basically, as Jesus Christ stated that, he was associating himself, I see value in you, and so now you can come and become my disciple. When Jesus Christ did that, basically, he said to everybody else that was around there, 
those that were in line for ta being taxed, being called, it's the one calling that's in, that, that, that makes all the difference. And so here we have this man, Levi, Matthew, being called of God from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ saying, I want you to follow me and I will supply your need. Follow me. All the things that you have now are great, but follow me. So we have Jesus Christ as the one that's calling. And now it was the responsibility of Matthew to respond. Matthew's response. And see, there was a call. And on Matthew's side, he already knew who Jesus Christ was. He wasn't ignorant. Matthew already was familiar with Jesus Christ's message. Jesus saw value in Matthew. And thus, when he spoke and when he, he immediately followed Christ, you know what happened, church? He basically said, Jesus, Jesus can take care of my need. Jesus can, can help me in my situation. He knew that I had a bad reputation. He knew that people didn't like me. He knew that sometimes I, I lied about the tax increase and I've taken money from my own people. I'm despised by other people, but because this man has called me, he accepts that. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That Jesus Christ still accepts you, even though you fail him every day. That every single time you wake up in the morning and you prioritize looking at your, your, your investment rather than looking into your scriptures, Jesus Christ knows that. And every time you, you, you go around living your life for, for particular things or, or objects of your desire and you push aside Jesus Christ, God still accepts you for who you are. And though, though we may fail and do wrong, Jesus Christ already acknowledged that when he called you. And so, first point is simply that, the relationship between Christ and Levi. See, the willful response in verse 28 says this, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. In an instant, he became called from wealth to poverty. In an instant, and he had to make a decision. I don't know what decisions you'll have to make today and during this week. But whatever it is, you need to understand that, that God wants the best for you. And he doesn't want to give you second best. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want you to fail in your life. He doesn't want you to be a failure as a parent. He wants you to succeed. And so what we need to, to do is when we make a major decisions, we need to understand that not everyone's going to be a missionary. Not everyone's going to be a pastor. Not everyone will become a deacon. But we all must become servants of God. We all must understand our responsibility as being blood-bought. We have been purchased by His blood. Therefore, even though I'm not a pastor, even though I'm not a deacon, even though it doesn't seem like I have any particular position in church, my responsibility ought to glorify Jesus Christ. Why? Because I am bought with a price. And Jesus Christ knew exactly what he bought when he had you. I'm not sure if you remember this um, at the back, but a couple years ago, um, Gumtree was really, really big. And so I think it's still big now. And there was a certain type of shoe that I liked. And they're called Nike TNs. And back then, they were really in. Everyone liked them. So 
I went online, Gumtree, and I typed it up, and size 10.5, black Nike TNs, and this particular, this particular seller came up. And, you know, the price was really good. It was, it was about $65, $70. The actual shoe, if you were to go to Rebel Sports, I think at the time was about 200 something. So, man, that's a bargain. That's cheap. And so what I did is I kept texting the person, and I said, oh, are these genuine? Are these genuine? And they've never gotten back to me. They gave me their address. They gave me the time to meet up with them. And so I think, I think it was the other way. We went to, uh, we went to Parramatta, right? We went to the shady, shady part of Parramatta, and it was like apartment blocks, apartment units, and there in the corner was this guy in, the, in like, I was talking to a girl, by the way, the guy that was there, right? He was like, dressed in black, like in the shadows. And I, I came up, I was like, man, I'm going to lose all this money. $60 is a big deal. And he showed me the shoes, I felt them, and then I put them on, I said, okay, yeah, they're great. Gave him the money, I went home. Do you know the worst thing you can do is buying, buy something that you, you don't know whether it's genuine or not? Because <laughs> little did I know, that when I went to a particular place and actually felt the original shoe, it weighed heavier, the quality was better, it didn't creak, it didn't creak when you, when you stepped on it. I'm not sure if you've ever bought fake shoes, but that's what happens. And eventually those little bubbles, they break, and something that, that looks valuable, that you thought were valuable, ended up being some knockoff. When Jesus, Christ, when Jesus Christ died for you, Christian, he knew the bargain that he was going to get. Does that make sense? He knew how our, our frame and that we're dust. And when Jesus Christ called Matthew, even though he was a publican, even though he was a tax collector, he said, follow me. Matthew's response was, all right, I'm going to do it. But it doesn't finish there. And, and like what I was sharing to you previously in, in, in a couple of different sermons, when Jesus Christ did something, it, it, it was, there was a byproduct in, in, in that individual's life. It didn't just stop there. Okay, I, I, I'm leaving everything now and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. No, this is what's interesting. Mark actually, I mean, um, Matthew actually organizes a party. And this is our next relationship that we're going to discuss tonight. Simply this, the relationship with Levi and those that he knew. The relationship of Levi and those that he knew. And let's look at verse, Luke chapter 5, verse 29. It says this, And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. See, Matthew, or Levi, used his status to create an opportunity for Jesus to impact his friends. Church, look up here. He used his finances, the ones that he got with, with wrongful gain. He used those finances that he had to organize a feast, not for anybody else but Jesus Christ. And what happened is he invited his publican friends and those that were associated with him to come to this particular place for a specific reason, and it wasn't just to eat. By the way, I like, I like Matthew because he didn't just 
have finger foods. They said it was a feast. Amen? It was a feast. I found that great. Um, he used his finances. He used his status. You know, he wanted to associate himself with Christ. And I think this is where, if we're not careful, we can just do this with just normally. It's, it's, it's our, our default. So when someone, when someone comes up or, or starts talking about spiritual things in your workplace, you push that aside. You say, I can't get involved. That's what we do. I have friends that, are, that sometimes I meet up with and I see them and, and they'll bring up something spiritual that they themselves have no clue what they're talking about. But what it's supposed to do is for you as a Christian, it should stir something inside you because you know the truth. You know what's right. And so what happens is, if you're not careful, is that as a default, you're just going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the government that we have. Instead of stating what, what the other person is trying to get from you. And here we have, um, here we have Matthew using this party, this feast, to associate himself with Jesus Christ. To say, hey guys, I want you to come over to my place, but I want you to meet someone, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is value in your relationships. And what I want you to understand is that Matthew saw that value and then implemented this idea. Let me ask you a question. Did Matthew, did Matthew knock on the door? Probably not. Did, did, did Matthew give out tracts that night? I'm not sure. But what Matthew did was he used his finances, he used his relationships for a specific reason, and that was to bring people to Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, people were wondering, oh, is this, is this who you left your job for? You had, you had a great job over there where you sat in customs, but, but you left all that for this guy? Let me hear what he has to say. And Jesus Christ didn't, didn't back himself into the back corner somewhere. He didn't hide in the office somewhere. When Jesus Christ spoke to the publicans and sinners, even the Pharisees recognized that Jesus was in the midst of the sinners. And this is where it's scary because what we can do as Christians is that we can huddle up in a group in a corner somewhere and we can talk about godly spiritual things. But if you place yourself or if we place ourselves in a different environment, where there's nobody else that's a Christian, will you be able to stand up for yourself? Will you be able to, to state, thus saith the Lord, according to the scripture? And church, we need to get to that position where we're not just conjugating together in a little group or a little clique. Or oh, this is us. Now God's given you an opportunity to reach out to your friends, your colleagues. Why? Because the world doesn't revolve around you or myself. It should revolve around Christ. And so we need to be able to recognize opportunities like that. And, and Matthew saw that. I'm going to use my relationships, even though I've left that work, even though I, I, I've left everything about that, I'm still going to use my relationships. Why? So that people can hear about Jesus Christ. And do you know what testimony that meant? Testimony was this. The subpoint. From, that, um, from the second point is simply this, is that it showed to the publicans that Jesus Christ was different. Another interesting thought, and I'll just put this in the side there, the Pharisees also came. The Pharisees came not because 
maybe because they were associated with the, with the thuggery, maybe they were associated with the, the bribery, whatever it may be. The Pharisees were there. But there was a difference between Jesus Christ and the Pharisees. And by Jesus Christ being with the publicans and sinners, it showed the publicans and sinners, hey, someone cares about me. They actually care about my life. And they're not just this religious people that stand in the corner somewhere judging everyone. Where we can find ourselves in that place. Oh, they're, they're not just those religious people that, that, don't, that don't eat pork or that give twice a day, uh, that fast twice a week. Or, or they're just those people over there that, that really don't care about anybody else. No, no. What it was was that Jesus Christ was in the midst of the people. And they recognized, even the Pharisees recognized, this man's different. This, this, man, this man cares about people. And the, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ doing that outweighed the perceived evil. Does that make sense? Because later on you'll find the, re- the relationship between Jesus Christ and the Pharisees. And that relationship is very evident. It's not based on mutual respect. It was actually the Pharisees were angry or fearful about what Jesus Christ would do. Everyone was starting to follow Jesus, but how about all the things that we said everyone has to do? Does that mean they throw that out? And see, the relationship again is is very important. We must see this. Why? Because there are opportunities given by God. The relationship with Levi and those that were around him. There was a difference between Christ and his disciples. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. and, And again, I won't be long tonight. Matthew chapter 23, verse 3. It says this. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. For they, are blind, uh, they, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with, their own finger, uh, with, their, with one of their fingers. But all their works they do f- to be seen of men, they make broad their flatuaries. They enlarge the borders of their garments. In verse 6 of Matthew 23, it says this, And love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats at the synagogues, and, and greetings in the market, to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. And this was a judgment that Jesus Christ stated in regards to the Pharisees. And when when Jesus Christ was in that particular place with the publicans and sinners, he was different. He is different. It's interesting how, how Christ also refers to them as whited sepulchers. And outside is, is what? It's, it's clean. It's, it's nicely dressed. But inside it's rotten. Keep that in mind for the next, for the next couple of verses where the Pharisees focused on what was outward. But God and Jesus Christ focused what was inward. Let's continue reading and we'll see this last relationship, the relationship between the Pharisees and Christ. Luke chapter 5 verse 30 says this, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured 
against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? The question that was posed wasn't given to Jesus Christ. The question that was posed was given to Jesus Christ's disciples. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. Again, it's the same, um, same sort of passage, same story that's being stated. Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 says this, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Again, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell you different avenues, different aspects of, of the event. They're not contradictory. They're complementary. Amen? And so what you have here is a question that was posed by the Pharisees, but that question wasn't given to Jesus Christ. It was given to Jesus Christ's disciples, and this is how often um, the devil works. And what, what usually happens is they don't, when the person criticizes someone, instead of going directly to the person and being involved, you go to their friends. You go, you go to those that may, may look up to that particular individual and you ask questions to them instead of going to the, directly to the person involved. And the same way, humanity hasn't changed. If you have a problem, speak up. If you have a problem, don't, don't run your mouth over there. Run it over here. Why? Because Jesus Christ can hear it anyway. Does that make sense? And so what happens is, is that even though the, the question was posed to the disciples, Jesus Christ heard it, and Jesus, Jesus Christ gave an explanation. And this is where I want us to see before we finish up tonight. It says this. It says this in verse 31, Luke chapter 5, verse 31. And Jesus answered, said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. See, the Pharisees knew that externally they looked right, they spoke right, they dressed right, they ate right, they fasted right. But the problem was that they, they, did, they did things externally as a justification for their rotten interior. Internally, they were rotten. But they just justified everything that was wrong inside with everything they're doing outside. And so someone can come up here and, and they could play a great instrument and, or if someone can come here and, and, and preach a great sermon, but, but God sees past what we do externally and sees the heart. And so this is where, where Jesus Christ uses a play on words. Not only does he refer to the physical, he talks about the spiritual in the next Next response, I came not to call the righteous. Righteous is not an illness. It's not the flu that you need a vaccine. No, it's an issue of the heart. I did not come um, to, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, the, and the, the, the truth that Jesus Christ answered them allowed them, should have allowed them to say that, hey, I'm more concerned about your heart. And here we have three different relationships. The relationship between Christ and Matthew. Where, where Christ humbled himself to allow this man to become one of his disciples. 
where, where Matthew looked to Jesus and said, I, I count everything else that was given to me. I count it by dung. So I'm going to follow Christ. You have that beautiful relationship. And then you have the next relationship between Matthew and all his friends that he invited to come to the feast. He used his finances. He used his respect. He used his friendships, his relationships to draw people to Christ. But thirdly, there was a a relationship that wasn't right, that wasn't good. That was between Jesus and the Pharisees. And so the question I posed at the beginning of the sermon is the same question I'll ask you tonight. Am I authentic in my relationships? Because every relationship that is provided from God is an opportunity, is an opportunity to bring God the glory. Do you believe that, church? You do, right? Every relationship that you have and people that God places in your way are next to you to help support you, understand that's from God. And don't waste that opportunity for, for your own pleasure, for your own gain. Last is this, Jesus revealed that the value of a person is not based merely on what they do, but why they do it. And Jesus Christ turned around in this this little story, a couple of verses long, allows us to see our relationships and say, okay, they might not be perfect. How do I deal with them? Does it please you, God? Does it please you? But they're a thorn in my flesh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Some people are. But God's placed them there. So are we, church, tonight? Are we authentic in our relationships? Are we maximizing them for God's glory? Because that's what we ought to do. Because God sees that. He cares about this, not just this. All right, let's pray. Let's go to again. Bless. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, um, for speaking to my heart as I preached, um, revealing to me some, some things I need to get right. I thank you, God, for the scriptures and how plain they can be. And, Lord, just the, the humility that you showed just to to ask even people to follow you and give their life for you. And God, you, you're never surprised about what they'll do. And Father, you already knew what we will do and what we can do for your glory. So bless us tonight. Help us to see our relationships the right way. Help us, Lord, to glorify you with how we deal with our relationships that your name will be glorified and everything said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, church.